Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm Andrew Brandt. I'm going to talk about the potential collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and the NFL players today. I'm getting a lot of questions about it. Obviously, doing a lot of radio, doing a lot of uh, requests to talk about it, and some of those requests are coming in from both the management side negotiating this deal and the player side. So I just thought I'd put it out here on the podcast to give my thoughts. And it's much more nuanced than good or good deal or bad deal. So I thought I'd put it out here on the pod. Um, we're presented, as always, of course, by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. They're the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget that promo code PODCAST1. Receive that 50% sign-up bonus today, betonline.ag. Okay, let's talk about it. So where we are, it's Monday, February 24th. As of last week, there was a summary out there. Uh, We have heard all the key terms of a proposed 10-year collective bargaining agreement. We've heard that ownership, the management side, and again, for people that don't understand, every negotiation in professional football and all sports, professional sports, you know, you're dealing with two different types of negotiations. One is a micro, which is the player contract represented by an agent against the team or with the team. And that, of course, happens every day. And there's hundreds of those done every year. Then there is the macro negotiation between the union and management. So the union is the NFL Players Association. Management is the league, who's ever negotiating for the league, a group of owners including Clark Hunt, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, Mark Murphy, some of those. Okay, the owners have put out there as of Thursday that there is a collective bargaining agreement negotiated and they await the player ratification, basically. And if it's not, they'll just operate under what's gone on, what's scheduled to go on the last year of the existing CBA in 2020. And that's fine. But, you know, the NFL, they're very strategic. Their PR is like, well, you know, it's been negotiated for 10 months. It's like, we're ready. Let's go. And then, of course, NFL media, which I'll talk about in greater depth, talking about, you know, it's a good deal and they've made a lot of concessions and not just the first offer here. They've been working on this for 10 months. There's a lot for players to like, blah, blah, blah. Okay. NFL media, I get it. That's your job to promote the NFL and to promote the fact that they put a fair offer on the table. And of course, NFLPA media, they're being, uh, some of those guys are being fed by the NFLPA. I try to be above all that. I don't want to hear from either side in terms of agenda items. I just want to give my opinion and people look to me for authenticity here. There's so many terms. Uh, let's just start with what I see as inequities. And again, here it is. I don't think this is a bad deal. Everyone's going to say, hey, good deal, bad deal, winner, loser. It's not a bad deal for the players, but it could be better. And you have 13 months before expiration and deadline spur action. We're in no deadline here. Why take this deal? I don't see a downside to turning it down. We'll talk about that more. But as we get into the terms, they're not ideal. They're not even equitable in my mind, some of them. And if they're not equitable, why not try to get more? Now, Tuesday, tomorrow in Indianapolis, supposedly the players and owners are meeting again. Maybe the owners knew this all along and they've got a give up their sleeve to try to get this done. I don't think it's that simple. I hope the players don't fall for that. But again, that could happen too. Okay, let's start. The the, the initial 
issue I have with this is the most obvious issue, which is the term. Okay, we're coming to the end of a 10-year CBA. I don't know why it went 10 years from the player's point of view, and I don't know why they're talking about a 10-year deal from the player's point of view. I get it from ownership. Owners want the longest deal possible. They want long-term stability. They want cost control for a long time. They want to be able to go to the TV networks, the sponsors, the partners, and say, we are locked in. Labor peace exists for a decade. We have no issues for 2021 lockout, strike, work stoppage, etc. They want to be able to show continuity. They want to show, and, and then there's this BS about the word about the economy dipping at Bernie Sanders. I don't know. I mean, for they want to get it done now. They know they can get it done later. Uh, but again, 10 years. And again, I'm looking at this from a player point of view, and I'm trying to see an, an equitable deal. We have other collective bargaining agreements in professional sports. They don't go 10 years. They go maybe seven, eight years with an out. And if you remember, the 2011 agreement came about because a longer agreement was voided by ownership because they had an out. The 2006 agreement, I was at the Packers. It was a very player-friendly deal. The cap went crazy those first couple years. And, of course, the owners, as soon as they could in 2008, exercised the option to void the deal after 2010. So it didn't go as long as it was scheduled to go. Why can't the players get an out here? Well, they couldn't negotiate it, but they should be able to get an out. So about this 10-year term, which, of course, owners love and players should not love, I would propose three things. Number one, make it shorter because the economics are going to change. We're going to have new TV deals. We're going to have new digital media deals. It's going to be and, not or. There's going to be CBS, Fox, ESPN, NBC, etc. Plus, not instead of, plus... Google, Yahoo, YouTube, Twitter, Amazon. It's like what I talked about when I was doing Amazon work and calling in to Andrea Kramer and Hannah Storm. We had a stream on Amazon. There was a Fox broadcast on broadcast. There was an NFL network broadcast on cable. That's the future, not or, but and. And the NFL is going to have incredibly massive deals between all these different streaming and traditional media why can't the union and the league assess after a few years to get a different kind of deal? And I know why the owners don't want it, because they want the players to lock in for 10 years. So three options you could try to get as players. One, shorter deal, three, four, five years. Two, an opt-out and make it mutual. Okay, let the owners have it too. They had it before. Let them have it. So after three, four, five years, there's an opt-out. Either side can get out, renegotiate a new deal. Why not? What's the downside for the owners? Well, I know. They like the deal they have for 10 years. Okay. But maybe the players should have a little more equity in this deal and be able to change when circumstances change. The third option for instead of uh, for the problem with the longer deal is changing the split. The biggest issue from a money point of view is the split. It's a revenue split. I'll talk more about it in a minute. But right now... In 2010, we were basically 50-50 at the end of that deal that they didn't like, that they opted out of, they meaning the owners. They were able to impose their will and claw back to a 53-47 to split. Basically, they get 53% of all revenues. It's not even all revenues. I mean, players are excluded from signage revenue. I mean, uh, naming rights revenue. They're excluded from suite revenue. So 53-47... And now in this new deal, the 47 stays, even if they take the deal right now, they're still at 47 for 2020. 
It goes up to 48 in 2021 with a kicker to 48.5 if they play 17 games next year. The 17 games the following year, if it takes that long, the 48.5 goes to that. Now, I get it. That's a nice increase. They, they sort of uh, split the difference with the players. Didn't get them back to 50, got them halfway to 48.5, but they get to 48.5, probably, they'll, play, they'll play 17 games probably by next year. So they get their year two of the deal, as if it goes into effect now, and then they're stuck for eight years. Then they're stuck on this for eight years. So why not? Again, I'm proposing things for the players. Maybe they tried before and were rebuffed. Why couldn't it go to 49 after four years? Why couldn't it go to 49.5 after six years? Why couldn't it go to 50 after eight years of a 10-year deal? And then you're only paying the players equal for the last two years of the deal. Seems to me these are not massive gives by the owners, but again, they're going to say, hey, we negotiated this for 10 months. It's ready. Okay. The problem with a long-term deal is things change. The problem with a long-term deal is things change from a player point of view. We see it in individual player contract negotiations all the time. The NFL is being very strategic with this deal. We'll talk about the increases in minimums. We'll talk about them right now. They're off in the rank and file, 100,000 increase in 2020 rookie minimums, another 50 increase in 2021, and then 45,000 a year after that. At least a 90,000 increase in 2020 for other minimum salaried players. You know, these are all the things that keep the rank and file. If they don't do a deal, they don't get a 100,000 increase on the rookie minimum. So anyone making a rookie deal in year two, three, four is like, oh, I can go from 510 to 610. <coughs> That's a lot. So you know what the owners are doing. It's the same thing team negotiators do. It's the same thing I did for 10 years. You entice with early money. In this case, these guys aren't making a lot of money. Give them an extra 100000 Yeah, where do I sign? But then you lock them in and you have what every management wants, which is cost certainty for an extraordinary length, 10 years. I don't know any player deals that are 10 years. <laughs> so... This is better than a player deal because you have that kind of cost certainty from a team point of view. And this is the strategy. I mean, it's it's pretty transparent. You know, this was a deal the owners said we can get to the rank and file. They're the majority, not the stars. And we can get them and let's get them with 100000 right away in their pocket for 2020 and get the deal. And there's other benefits here we're going to talk about. The performance-based pay is increased now to 8.5 and it'll go to 10. And then there's increases in the tenders for the ROFR, right of first refusal. Uh, you know, the practice squad numbers go up. The roster size goes up two, two uh, on the total roster and then two on the practice squad roster, more jobs. <coughs> Excuse me. All that's great. All that's great. But where the rubber meets the road, of course, is the money. Um, so the term is an issue to me, the, the, and then we talk about the 47% that stays 47% and only gets as high as 48.5%, probably be 48.5% by next year. And then it just stops Then it never changes. And let's talk about why we're getting that increase of 1.5 points to begin with, because we're talking about a 17th game. I mean, here's the key item for the owners. The owners, I said for two years now, there's no way we get a CBA without extra games because that's the one thing the players had a value to give to ownership. What else do they have? Threat of a strike? 
Well, now they have leverage of the owners wanting to get a deal done, which is their leverage now. But in terms of getting a deal done with the fact sheet, with the key terms, you got to look at that 17th game. But what have we heard from player leadership, including ones putting forward this deal for the past 10 years or before the, before the last CBA, 12 years? It is that no way in God's green earth are we going to play more than 16 games. And it's disingenuous of ownership to ask us to do that when they have a stated priority of health and safety. Yet, here we are. So it's out the window that it's non-negotiable to play 17 games. Okay, the players have given in on that. Then the question is, are they getting enough? And in my opinion, getting to one, getting a 1.5 increase on the, on the total revenues without a lot of other huge economic benefits is not enough. There's all, there are benefits in this deal. It's not a terrible deal. It's a good deal for rank and file in some ways. But you combine the increase in 1.5 percent with a with a tiny increase in the minimum salary, uh, the minimum team spending. I'll get to that in a minute. It's just to me, it's just not enough. It's not enough. I mean, listen, I'm not favoring the players or owners here. I know it sounds like I'm on the player's side, and I'm not even being critical of players' management, uh, player leadership. What I'm saying is if you're going to jump into a 10-year deal, which will cover multiple career spans of players, you know, with players that don't come in the league until four years from now, their whole career will be under this. Players who don't come in the league until six years from now, their whole career will be governed by this. I just think it's not enough increases. Um, Here's the other thing. Minimum team salary spending. It was four-year windows, which is way too long. Four-year inspection. I'm sorry, four-year inspection periods. Did the team spend 89% of cap over the four years? I think 89% was low. I think the four-year deal was too long. It's increased, but it's marginal increase. So now it goes to, uh, instead of four-year inspection periods, over the 10 years now, it's tranches of three, three, and four-year periods. Marginally better. Teams still have three years to get into the minimum spending. And from 89% to 90%. Again, marginal. The problem with the minimum team cash spending is that these teams get their caps going way up. If the cap is going to be 200 for some teams it's going to be 250 And their 90% is judged on the 200 not 250 How do they get to the 250 they bring over cap room from prior years because it just sat there. Why did it sit there? They didn't spend it. Why didn't they spend it? Well, their feet aren't being held to the fire to spend that cap, spend on players. It's just another issue I've had for a long time. I think the minimum team cash spending, the 89% over four years, has been too long and too low. Now it's 90% over three, three, and four years. Again, still too light and too long, in my opinion. Other things about this deal, you know it. There are going to be uh, improvements, <laughs> continued improvements in less time. You know, now you have a, there's going to be less padded practices, as always, less time at the facility during a, during a given day. There's only going to be 16 days of pads, you know, less time in the off season. This is all started in the last season. Again, these are non-economic gifts for ownership. I, to me, they're inventory. To me, they're easy gifts. Like, you know, 
the only people that are upset about this are the coaches, and the coaches aren't part of this negotiation. Coaches complain. It gets worse and worse for them every collective bargaining agreement, and here we go. It's only getting worse. I mean, there was talk early in this present CBA that they were going to change it and make it even more time in the facility for these players. Not even a chance. It goes the other way. And even when they get to training camp, according to this deal, they're not going to practice. It's going to be a five-day acclimation period, so they're not ramping into two-a-days right away. So all of this is great for players, and owners are like, yeah, fine, no problem. <laughs> you know. And then we look at coaches going crazy, but coaches, again, are not part of this. There are some benefit increases, and again, credit where credit is due. I think some of this is very good for players as a whole. The pension increases, the 401 I think it was 15000 Now it's up to thirty, which every player should do. The matching contribution is now going to be 30000 There are increases um, in the health care plan vision coverage. I didn't even know they didn't have vision coverage. Increases in the tuition reimbursement. And then for, for former players, there's some new things uh, with the vested veterans it used to be the the accrued the credited seasons for pension belt uh, i'm sorry credit seasons for pension eligibility was four now they're going to be former players with three are going to be able to get that pension i think that's great good for them and a network of hospitals uh in each team city that players can get no cost physicals and go in for counseling and, and hopefully baseline testing for for uh, for future brain trauma i think that's all great all great um, so how do I look at this deal? I think I look at it the way everyone looks at it. It's meant for the rank and file who are the majority of players. It has good increases in what I call sort of soft monies, whether it's benefits, whether it's, uh, some, some minimum salary increases throughout the board, uh, I think the minimum team spending is very light. I think the percentage, which is really the trade-off for giving up that 17th game, is just light after next year. I mean, it's great. From 2020, I'm not sure why they didn't change it in 2020. But from 2000, from the inception of the deal through the first two years, that's great. You go up a point and a half from the current rate, from 47 to 48.5, whenever they put in the 17th game. And by the way, I'll they have no idea what to do with the 17th game. And maybe nine games home, then eight games home for a couple of years. Teams switch off. Maybe all international. They have to figure out more international games. We'll figure that out. The owners don't even know. They'll deal with that when it comes. But why not go above field with 48.5 or have a shorter deal? Or these are the kind of things you have to think about when you're locking in for a decade. And I'm not sure why they're locking in for a decade. I know why. Again, I'm back to it. Why? I know why owners want to do that. I just don't know why players want to do that. So, here we are. It's Monday, Tuesday, in Indianapolis. We're talking about a meeting. Do the player, do the owners pull out something from their back pocket? Maybe it's about, I didn't even talk about the 17th game issue, the pro rata for players who make over 250 a game. They're taking a haircut. I don't think that's a huge deal because if they're good players and teams like them, they can renegotiate. They can put that money into bonus and then keep it at the 250 for the last week. That's not a big issue, but maybe the owners think that's a big issue. They, that was their ace card at the end to sort of close this deal, say, oh, yeah, those players will give them what they, what they scheduled to make because it's not going to be many of them. 
or maybe the owners come back and say, uh, you know, maybe we'll go to 49% in year seven. I don't know what they're going to say. But listen, they're negotiators. They know this meal is not going to be taken as is. They've got something in their back pocket. And the question is, are they going to get the players to bite? Because here's the thing. I don't think there's downside to players turning this down. This is the unique time where the players have leverage. And the leverage is timing. The players don't have to do a deal. The owners don't have to either, but it sure seems like they want to, and it sure seems like they think they have to, and maybe that's coming from the networks who are telling them, don't come to us about our new deals until you get the player thing done, and that gives the players extraordinary leverage, which I don't think they've used enough of. So for people to think if they turn down this deal, we're going to have Armageddon, come on. We are 13 months away from expiration of the CBA, we're 20 months away from any potential missed game in September of 2021. Forget about preseason. Who cares? <clears throat> so I don't think there's downside. What's the downside? That the owners say, all right, you blew it. Your deal's going to get worse. Okay. Players say we're not doing a deal. Owners say we want to do media deals. Media says wait till you do the player deals. And you're back to where we are. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't see the downside in the players turning this down. And for and ignore any media that says if they turn this down, we're talking about strikes and lockouts in Armageddon. No. Maybe we talk about that in a year. In a year, but not in 2020. <laughs> we have a deal, right? The CBA is existing. It's scheduled to expire in a year. Not in a week, not in a month, not before the season, in a year. <sighs> Those are my thoughts. Uh, you know, again, it's nice. Got a lot of players asking me questions, even on the, on the executive committee. I have management asking me questions. So that's nice to be in this position. And I'll meet with a couple of them at the combine. But listen, I just think that you have to look at this deal. It's not a terrible deal. It's, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's entirely equitable. And I know from doing player deals and doing them where I got over on players, that does, that's, that's awful. I hated it. I didn't, I liked it at the time I was puffing my chest, but I didn't like it. It never works. Inequitable deals never work. Lopsided deals never work. You're always going to get the other side, especially, especially if they're this long. I mean, if it's 10-year deals with no outs, that's it. The next, the next chance for a better deal from the player's side is in 2030. <laughs> so think long and hard about that. That's my one and only rant this week. By the time you hear this, maybe, the, maybe they've done a deal. <laughs> but you've heard this before the deal, and uh, that's as in terms of what's been out there for a few days about this potential CBA. Those are my thoughts, and that'll do it. <laughs> I just want to get that out there. Now, a word from our sponsor. We're almost into March, and it's Bet Online. You know what's going on out there. We've got NBA. You got the Bucks Raptors this week. You got Celtics Jazz. <clears throat> Excuse me. You got Celtics Portland. All this thing going on this week. You got key games in college with Michigan State, Maryland, Duke, Virginia, and yes, the XFL heating up. Big game this week between. The D.C. Defenders and the Tampa Bay Vipers, it's all coming. It's all happening. So where do you get 
action on all these games. Obviously, it's betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And that will do it for this CBA proposal edition of Branch Rants on the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Appreciate all the kind comments, all the rankings, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you hear your podcasts. Appreciate those following me on Twitter. My thanks to my musician extraordinaire, one Sam Brandt, and of course my producer without peer, that's Brian Neal. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.